Good morning and welcome to June the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. Hope you have recovered from the Chagim. I think they only ended like around a week or so ago. It's kind of like the calendar is so confusing right now, um, but we are excited now to sort of kick off uh, in full throttle a new season of Jew in the City Speaks. Um, and we're have a really cool guy to introduce you to today. When I started the show a few years ago, I was afraid maybe we would run out of interesting Orthodox Jews to speak to, to profile, but apparently there are just a lot of them out there. Um, you know, there's, I think, certain things that we think are kind of typical uh, jobs for Jews. Maybe growing up, I thought that Orthodox Jews like worked in diamonds and we sort of have like the common Jewish jobs of doctor, lawyer. I think music producer is something that we see less often um, and rock and roll uh, fantasy camp creator is even less of a common profession. Um, but today with us, we have a music producer and a, a producer of a movie. His name is David Fishoff. He created this rock and roll fantasy camp um, and he created a movie about this camp called Camp Rock. And we're going to talk about this movie today, which uh, recently premiered. David, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Oh, thank you, Allison. And I, I, I do uh, hear what you're saying, because when I first started in this business about I would say 45 years ago from the Catskills. And then I moved into, you know, regular uh, being a sports agent and being um, a rocker. And then I moved into rock and roll. There were no Orthodox Jews. But uh, now, um, Baruch Hashem, uh, there's some good sports agents out there and people that uh, have taken on these um, these roles that were never, never, you know, really handled by uh, folks who are Orthodox. So I guess start us off with kind of what your background is and how you got into this more atypical uh, line of work uh, from where you came from. So where did you grow up? How did you grow up? Well, I grew up in Hackensack, New Jersey. Uh, my dad was a Holocaust survivor and he was the cantor at the synagogue and um, in Hackensack. And, um, you know, we were we were Orthodox. The, the shul was conservative and the people were reformed. <laughs> and uh, so we had it all. Um, but I'm proud to say now that uh, Chabad took over that shul in Hackensack. So um, it's gone a full circle because my dad took the job. It was Orthodox. Um, and uh, I grew up there and then I went to Yeshiva, um, mm -hmm. went to Breuer's and um, in the, uh, in the upper in the in Washington Heights. Um, but I have a brother, Joey, who was a graduate of YU. And he had a band, a Jewish rock band called the Ruach Revival. And Joey played. Uh, behind Rabbi Shlomo Kabach, and he also had his own band. They would do NCSY weekends, and I wanted to be in the band, and uh, but I wasn't good enough. I, I tried to play bass. I was terrible, and it was my dad who said, uh, well, why don't you try to book bands, and, hmm. you, can, um, you know, then you can book six bands a night and forget about being in a band, so um, hmm. that's how I started my career in booking talent up in the Catskills. So I guess it makes sense for the father, the chazan. So you have the musical father, the musical brother. And so uh, getting into uh, the music industry was not so uh, unusual or, or unexpected in that way. Yeah, well, seeing my brother, you know, seeing how popular he was and, you know, all the Stern girls going crazy over the drummer. And uh, so, no, but it was, it was just interesting to, to see all that and um, wanting to be in this business and, um, and then the Catskills, you know, I grew up with all those great comedians like Freddie Roman and Mal Lawrence. And, and I, so I knew I wanted something to do in show business. So mm -hmm. I um, came up with the idea to write a column in the Jewish press when I was 20 years old. And it was called Chevron Entertainment. And I went to um, the Jewish press and said, I'm going to write about Jews in show business. 
And that's how I started. I wrote a column for five years um, and it enabled me to interview um, the great comedians like Jan Murray and Alan King, um, Jack Carter, Maury Amsterdam for my column. And, uh, and then from there, I started booking these artists into for Jewish organizations. Um, and while I was doing the Catskills, um, signed my first client at 20, Herschel Bernardi, and I started booking him. And, uh, and that's how I really started. So to clarify, you did you start with Orthodox uh, talent and then branched out to non-Orthodox, non-Jewish, kind of like what was your sweet spot? Well, I started with Jewish talent, Orthodox talent. I mean, you know, it, it's well widely known. I'm really proud of it that, you know, being in the world of rock and roll and, you know, working with a Beatle and working with uh, members of all the biggest bands, you know, I love Jewish music. It's my passion because um, all the years that I was on the road, um, I would listen to Jewish music to remind me when I, that I'm from, and it just always, you know, when I was on tour and I would, you know, and I was touring with, with Ringo Starr for 15 years and the Monkees and, and Roger Dolce of the Who, and, you know, I'd come back to my room and, and it just put on Mordechai Ben David or Avram Fried or the Yako Shweki's, you know, music. And, and it would just remind me, okay, you have to, you know, remember who you are. Uh, sure. While everybody else is going down to party, stay in your room and and uh, listen to your music. And it, it just kept me grounded. And I, you know, I'd find a daily minion in the morning in every city. And uh, so um, I didn't want to get into booking the Orthodox Jewish artists, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I, I, I follow their music. Mm-hmm. And so how did you I mean, those that's a pretty impressive uh, client roster between Ringo Starr, the Monkees. How did you is there any sort of easy way to explain how you were able to connect with such kind of stars because um, yeah, a lot of people probably try yeah. this and don't end up so successful. So like right. what was the path? So it started with it, my career started when I was um, 20 years old. I was writing for the Jewish press and I went to interview Ron Bloomberg, who was um, the uh, d- designated hitter in a, and played for the New York Yankees. And I went to interview him about his Judaism. And he introduced me to Elliot Maddox, who uh, was interested also in Judaism. And I connected with Elliot Maddox uh, by booking him on a few appearances. And we together, I convinced him to, let's open a sports agency representing players. Um, And so we started in the business together. And uh, my first client was Lou Pinella of the New York Yankees. And uh, I met his teammate and Lou, um, I started booking Lou and just called all around, got him commercials, got him appearances. And, um, and from there, um, I negotiated his contract with uh, George Steinbrenner. And, um, and then I started getting a reputation. I picked up Phil Sims um, from the New York Giants as a client. And once I got Phil Sims, uh, you know, I picked up eight of the New York Giants. He was recommending me to all his, his players. And you know, basically, if you do a great job for your players, they would recommend you. So I was a, really a full-time sports agent from from most of my um, my twenties. Um, and and then, no 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 real experience. Just like you had the interest, you had the drive, and you just figured it out. And you had some natural talent to figure out. Natural talent, it. passion. You know what? I loved these players. They were so respectful of me and and my Orthodox Judaism. And you know, I remember walking into Lou Pinella's house, and I was twenty years old. And he said. Uh, Hey, why don't you join us for lunch? And I had my yarmulke on and I said, no, I, you know, I, I, I love to sit with you guys and, and him and his wife, but uh, I don't, you know, I don't eat non-kosher. And, um, and then, you know, over the years and representing, 
you know, Phil Sims and, and uh, Phil McConkey and Jim Burt and all these giants. They, Phil Sims was so respectful of my um, Judaism, my Orthodox Judaism. You know, we would speak every day on the way to practice and then on the, his way home. And, and then Friday afternoons, he would turn to me and say, have a great Shabbos. And uh, so, you know, I found that with these the non-Jews, they were so, you know, respectful, especially if they came from good homes and, um, you know, religious homes. And um, so I was very lucky. I was very lucky to have these, these amazing clients that respected my Orthodox Judaism. I love it. I think, um, you know, just an important message to uh, call for this from the listeners is that the box can be much larger than you think it is. And just because you haven't seen it done before doesn't mean it can't be done. And really, you don't necessarily even need specific training. Obviously, education is always good, but so much of the people who are successful are the people that just have a crazy dream and go after it. And I think that's really the most important part of the, the formula. It's having a passion. It's having a passion. You know, I got to I, I believe that, you know, becoming being a, a child of the Holocaust, uh, uh, my dad being a survivor's child, you know, also gives you a drive. Um, mm-hmm. It also gave me a drive. And also, you know, just a, a born ingrate of, of uh, you know, just wanting to, to succeed. And, you know, to me, I, I wasn't even a huge sports fan. I'm a bigger sports fan now than I was back then. I just, I like people, you know, and, and I saw the way my dad, you know, he was dealing with all the, the members of the synagogue and and he just had, pa- you know, compassion for all of them. And I learned that um, to, to give these players and, and show interest in their lives and and not just take their monies. And it was more about wanting to help them in, the, you know, you know, they had to maneuver in a world where there were no agents when I started. They were, they, they were making deals. And, uh, you know, so I decided that uh, this is what was going to be my passion to really, you know, help these players. And um, and then once you started helping them, they the business really grew. Um, I started representing a lot of players here in Los Angeles, where I live now, and from the Rams and the Angels. And, you know, if you have a good reputation, it just the calls were coming in. So just to clarify, there were no agents then really. So you had to even like introduce the idea to them that like, I'll represent you, I'll make your deals, I'll help you get a better deal from whatever. Um... Well, there were, there were agents, there were agents. There were there was there was a bunch of agents out there that were just starting. Um, but a lot of times like Lou Pinello, you know, originally he walked into George Steinman's office and said, you know, I want uh, 200,000 and George would say, uh, I'll give you a hundred and then they shake hands 150 and he'd walk out. And, you know, that, that was or the same thing with the Giants and, the, and those players back then. When I was first starting, there weren't as many agents as there are now, um, but there were agents. And um, but I but basically I was in the in the initial um, in, in the beginning part of the, of the business um, when when agents started. It's so interesting. I feel like negotiating is such a Jewish, such a Jewish like talent that we get from Avraham Avinu. Like we're always kind of working to like make a deal. Like what about the terms? Can we do it more like that? How about this number of people in Sodom and Amora? And I see my children. They're all they're just national born negotiators. So I guess that's Allison, I wrote a book at 22. I'm sorry, 25. I wrote my first book called Putting It on the Line. Mm-hmm. And it's available now on Amazon. It's a book about negotiations. And I decided to write a book. Um, on how to, how to negotiate and, and the powers, what you need to negotiate. And it's for anybody who really wants to learn negotiations. And I use my stories of negotiating against, you know, George Steinbrenner and negotiating the, the players' contracts and, and even Herschel Bernardi's acting. Um, I use those as an example to people. So, yes, negotiations, right. You know, I, it's, it's, it, is a, it definitely has to be a 
of the Yiddish thing. Um, what you mentioned kosher food and being respectful. Any time that Shabbos or Yantif was challenging on the road or within any of these, uh, you know, different aspects of your career. So, Allison, one of the uh, I've had so many stories, you know, and being being this career show business for uh, I guess forty five years. But one of my one of my favorite stories was um, nineteen eighty seven when the Giants were in the Super Bowl against the Denver Broncos and um, the Giants um, had um, were playing the Broncos and it was Phil Simms and he was playing against John Elway. And John Elway was the quarterback that everybody was talking about. The Denver Broncos were favored to beat the Giants by 10 points. It was Elway, Elway, Elway. And Simms was like a second, um, really the second quarterback in the game. And what happened was that um, I was with him the whole week, and then Friday I turned to him and I said, "Phil, I have to um, leave for the Sabbath, and I'm going to go up to uh, in the area of Beverlywood and uh, spend the Sabbath there, but at a hotel. And uh, if you need me, um, then you know, tell people to call the this number. And the bellman there knows me well. He'll tell them uh, he'll say hi to them, and then I'll call them after the Sabbath. And Phil Sims turned to me. And the biggest day of his career on the Super Bowl Eve on that Friday, and he said, hey, fish off, don't worry about it. Your Sabbath is more important than the Super Bowl. And Sims went out that Sunday to break every record ever by any quarterback. And they beat the Denver Broncos by nine points. Mm -hmm. And I always say to myself, if a non-Jew could tell me to enjoy the Sabbath, uh, it's more important than the Super Bowl, then you know, and, and it's really amazing experience and to have. So, you know, I, I while that was a great experience, um, most of the people, you know, my artists, they knew that I wasn't coming, whether it was Ringo Starr, I walk into a venue in Denver, Colorado. I remember at this point, he starts dancing. The Shabbos over, Shabbos over. It was like 10 o'clock at night. Um, they were all very respectful. And, um, but, you know, so I, I always found kosher food on the road. Um, I put in all my contracts uh, when I was touring with the Monkees and Ringo that um, the artist needs a car at seven o'clock in the morning. And um, because I used to look for the morning minion and I would take the car and find the morning minion. That was my game on the road. And then I'd find the local kosher uh, deli and invite him to come to the show um, so I could find a, a minion from Minchamarv at the show and let him bring me dinner. So that was my challenge being on the road. Amazing. Um, I mean, you were probably the first Orthodox Jew most of these people met, do you think? You know, in, in many of these cities, you're right. In the, in the, you know, in the 80s and, you know, they, they really didn't know. They really didn't know. You know, today it's much more popular. And um, but no, not, you're right. They, they um, you know, I mean, did, did I have some negotiations where I negotiated with a, an executive of the Pittsburgh Steelers? They say, you married some sheiks back there. And, you know, so they, they knew some things, but um but they, they didn't they didn't uh, really understand us no not like today did you ever get any questions about your holidays or shabbos from any of the talent oh yeah yeah they they they, you know, they they can't understand especially even this year how many holidays we take off um but not in a negative way because again my clientele they knew who i was before they signed with me so most of the um don jews uh, hired me because their family said, you know, you find yourself a Jewish agent. They know how to make you money. They know how to negotiate. So they were just, you know, they were interested in, in my services and what I did for them. And, 
Um, and then, you know, over the years, I, you know, I invited him to come to Shabbos meals. And I remember inviting Mark Rivaro, the Giants, come to a meal. And and uh, he saw the two challahs and he started grabbing one because, you know, he's a football player. So he eats you know, <laughs> 20 pancakes a day. So, you know, he thought that role was for him. I said, no, Mark, I got to cut that up. Or or I remember um, I had Ringo Starr come to my house for a Friday night meal. He wanted to meet my grandchild. And, and um, you know, I had my son-in-law, Rabbi Shlomo Einhorn. He gave a Devar Torah about the truck. You know, he, he gave him the musical notes. And he tried to explain to, to Ringo about that. And so I've had Roger Daltrey come to a Shabbos meal, uh, Westside Institutional Synagogue, um, uh, you know, with, with Rabbi Einhorn. So, you know, I, I think I've educated these people a lot. It's very cool. Um, I don't get all the sports references, but I'm sure the sports fans listening will. I get more of the, the music ones. So tell us about this music, Camp Rock. Well, first of all, what is a rock and roll fantasy okay. camp? Yeah. First of all, it's it's not Camp Rock. It's it's Rock Camp. Rock Camp. Uh, Rock Camp? Camp Rock is a is a Disney movie, but a Rock Camp is my movie. And a Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp is a camp that I created 25 years ago, and it's a place where people can come and jam with their musical heroes, whether it's Brian Wilson, the Beach Boys, or or the the guitar player from Soundgarden, or um, the Judas Priest, the band, or Joe. Joe Elliott from Def Leppard or Aerosmith. And I created this camp as a place where um, people can come um, for four days. I put them in a band and for four days, I keep them rocking and rolling. And they're taking master classes. They're taking, they're learning from these musicians. They're playing live at the Whiskey of Go-Go's. They're recording at Capitol Records. They're recording at Abbey Road Studios. I, I decided that uh, about 15 years ago that I was going to go off the road. Um, I had just gotten married and uh, again, and I decided I have kids now. I've, I'm, I'm very privileged. I got uh, two teenagers and um, I have uh, also eight grandchildren. Um, so I decided that, you know, the life on the road just was, was not going to be my life anymore. And uh, so I, but I love music. I love rock and roll and um, I love changing people's lives. Um, so I created this camp where people come to me to Los Angeles or they come to Vegas or Florida and um, I put them in a band and uh, give them that experience. Um, and uh, it's been you know, very successful. The Simpsons did an episode on it. Uh, <laughs> Ellen, Ellen did an episode on her comedy series and you know, she makes fun of, uh, they make fun of it, but they have a guy with a yarmulke and it's me, I'm Hesh. Um, and I've been very vocal that I'm orthodox. Um, and um, the producer, a uh, fellow named Jeff Rowe and Doug Blush, Doug Blush has won uh, three Oscars, came to me one day and said, you know, we want to do a story on, on your rock camp. Um, and, you know, we allow us to do a movie, a documentary. And I said, uh, sure, I just didn't want to be in it. I said, you know, use the rock stars and you can use the campers. And then they came back to me after six months and said, we can't sell it. No one wants it. They all want your story. So I said, well, if you do my story, you got to do a few things. And one, you got to have a picture of me in there in the film wearing a yarmulke. Number two, I, I have to mention, you know, that um, I have all this musical um, talent or, or, or business talent or, or the desire to music because my dad is a Holocaust survivor and he was a cantor. Um, and three, well, I forgot what the third thing was, but uh you know, you, you got to mention I'm Orthodox. And uh, so we did this film. Amazing. And so where, first of all, where has it been shown? When did it come out? Um, where can we see it now? 
So the film was, it came out during COVID, but it's uh, last year, March. It's uh, 95% of Rotten Tomatoes. It's got amazing wow. ratings. It's on Amazon Prime. It's on Apple. You can get it. Um, it's showing, if you have direct TV, it's showing there. Um, and I'm proud that, uh, you know, I just got back this summer. I spent it, uh, uh, a month in Jerusalem. We showed it in Jerusalem at the theater and in Tel Aviv, and um, it got a tremendous amount of uh, publicity. Um, and I think that people really enjoy it. It's called Rock Camp. Um, whether you know these musicians or not, I think what, what people will see is really how this music changes the lives of the people attending. But in the end, you'll see how much it influences these rock stars who, you know, they, they work hard at, at my rock camps, but they, they, they learn to realize I was one of them. I got lucky. And, um, it's really a very heartful, um, very heartful, very soulful movie. I'm really proud of it. Amazing. Um, so tell us, I want to also understand more about how the camp works. Like how often does it run? How does it, is that, is it still running? Can a person still sign yeah. up to be part of this camp? So, yeah, please go to my, my website, rockcamp.com. Um, I've had many Orthodox people show up. We usually spend a great Friday night Shabbos meal together. Um, mm -hmm. and, I, and I find a way to work around them. That they don't, they don't, because they, they don't play on Shabbos. Um, mm -hmm. I give them extra time on other things, but um, the camp um, operates. Um, I'm starting them in January, uh, this coming January. Uh, I have to stop because of live music. Uh, the first one is um, in Florida with Dave Mustaine. Um, Dave Mustaine is with a, um, was was originally with. Um, hold on, I, I see that I forgot his band, uh, but it's Dave Mustaine. It's um, you also have the drummer from Iron Maiden. Um, you have the guitar player from Deep Purple. Um, and they people come for these four, four days. They're put in a band with a, one of these touring musicians. Um, and they, they become a band for four days. And then each day they're going to um, each day they're going to um, jam with with a different rock star. So like uh, Dave Mustaine, he's the lead singer and guitar player of Megadeth. You're going to get through a Megadeth song with Dave. What's so great about the camps is unlike these meet and greet appearances where people go backstage and they they take a, uh, a quick picture and they leave. These rock stars hang around for hours and hours to play with these people and give them a lot of time. And, uh, you know, Roger Daltrey came to my first camps and he said, I love this. He said, so where are they performing? I said, they're performing tomorrow night at the bottom line. He says, I want to perform with them. Um, so once they come. They have an amazing experience. Slash of Guns N' Roses. He stayed for twelve hours because um, wow. you know once they're there. Why did they do this? Why did they do this? What's okay, good question, Allison. They do it because um, they want to give back. I think they're at a stage in their career where they've achieved everything, and here's an ability. Uh, here's an opportunity where they become known as professors, and they're sharing their knowledge. Um, I asked Jeff Beck, and Jeff Beck's the greatest guitar player in the world. I said, Jeff, why did you do my camp? He says, you know, the business has been really good to me. I just wanted to give back. Um, and it's become hip to do rock and roll fantasy camp. And um, they, all, they all get something out of it. When they leave, um, I had one rock star wrote to me, he says, David, I was able to move ahead and write my book. Um, you know, you've opened my heart out. Um, Nancy Wilson of, of uh, Heart said, David, this is pure music. So when we first started, um, you know, we were trying to make it. Once we made it, it became about lawyers and, and contracts and agents and lawsuits. He said, with you, this is really pure music. So if you'll see the film, 
you'll be blown away how a guy like Gene Simmons, uh, a guy like Paul Stanley from Kiss, um, how they, how their lives, you know, how they go, even they go through a life-changing experience. Hmm. It's really, um, you know, besides the kosher food, the Shabbos, you know, the yarmulke, those sort of outer trappings, sort of um, spreading chesed, spreading kindness in the world. Oh, you totally, you know what, you, that's what it's about. You're spreading chesed, you're doing, that's why I love doing it. You know, I, I don't really have a plan, uh, a, an opportunity. I don't want to retire. I really love every day. I get another email. I change people's lives. Um, and, you know, it's been great because, you know, my kids, I have a daughter, Ilana Molstein, who, who's like the leading um, nutritionist for a company called Beachbody. And, you know, she was once over 100, weighed over 100 pounds. And, and she created this weight loss program. And every day, you know, you go, you go on her Instagram and, you know, people lost 50 pounds, 70 pounds, 80 pounds. And I just love that that my kids are following in, in, in a way just to give back and offer and my, you know, and, and it's having a son-in-law rabbi and, and my other kids, it's just, I, I teach them all. You have to give back. The, you said you did this media tour in Israel. You're doing well in Rotten Tomato. What type of um, sort of media coverage are you getting in the States? Meaning this should be broader than for the, the Jewish or Orthodox community. This should sure. be. Yes. I am. I am. I've listened to Tonight Show. Jimmy Fallon, he interviewed Roger Dolce about my film. I did Forbes last week. I did Forbes interview. I was on the Today Show talking about my film. Um, yeah, no, I've gotten tremendous. The publicity is Chicago Sun-Times, and we've gotten tremendous publicity. That's why we've gotten the Rotten Tomatoes. So publicity, I, I, I yeah, we get a lot of publicity, um, and people acknowledge the film. I'm thinking that we should organize some Jew in the City event around some sort of a premiere to do it live. Um, Love to do it. I want to. I want to. I definitely want to do it in New York. I yeah. because of COVID, I didn't have an opportunity to show the camp, but. I would love to do an event in New York and and show the film. I think you will see in the film, while it's not a Jewish film, you can see the Jewish roots in the film. You see the guy from Queen um, being interviewed in my house behind a set of shot and scene Gemaras. Um, you know, you, you can really tell the, 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 the Yiddish kite that's in the it's in the film. I love it. I love it. So, um, okay. After this, let's keep talking about maybe some way to bring this to New York and, and do some sort of right. event because I mean, we only, there's just so much negative media coverage about our community and it's oh. everywhere and we hear constantly explicitly Orthodox. Um, and it's, um, a lot of times Orthodox Jews are not ready to sort of put that label on themselves. They'd rather kind of lay a little bit lower and kind of not be too noticed. And Allison, know. I can't tell you, I've gotten contacted by so many people in the, in the arts who have said to me, um, I really don't want to tell my boss that I keep Shabbos or that I want to keep kosher and how do you do it? And to me, that's, I've been able to make a lot of great friends and help change people's lives over the years by you know, tell, sharing my stories. And um, so I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of that. And, uh, and you're right, we've taken some bad, you know, bad hits lately, because this terrible series on Netflix, but we're going to overcome that. And, um, and, and we're going to overcome that. And I think people will see that when they do business with people, Orthodox Jews, that we're much more careful in, in, in the way we do business. And, um, and we do it the right way. Awesome. Well, thank you for being just a shining example of Kiddush Hashem, not just in your everyday life, but in looking for ways to amplify it. Because, you know, at the end of the day, we can 
kind of all be ambassadors serve for the people that we touch, but to find opportunities to take those positive stories and interactions and get them even to more people. Um, it's really life-changing and it makes my job easier. So um, we, uh, we should have a certain like Jew in the city uh, stamp of approval. I think this is getting that, but um, yeah, thank you so much for your time. Continue to Hatzlacha. And um, I think we're going to just keep our, our audience uh, aware of uh, hopefully some sort of uh, some way to work together because I think this seems like perfect for our brand. Terrific. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks so much and be well. And thanks so much for listening. You can catch us same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.